Hello and welcome to the Hope Covenant Church podcast. My name is John. I am the pastor here at Hope Covenant Church, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to tune in for this message. This episode is the beginning of our Can Christian series where we are going through the most commonly Googled questions about Christianity. If this is the first time that you are listening to our podcast, welcome. Uh, it is the first podcast that we are putting out as a church since the pandemic. We've been online and on YouTube for our services, but we thought that we wanted to start back up our podcast, and so this is that. So let's take a little listen to our intro music, and then we will jump into the first sermon of the series, Can Christians Wear Polyester? One more time before we jump in and have a time of discussion. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to the reading of your scripture this morning. Not that we would only hear what is on the surface, but that it would crucify our hearts and that we would know what is underneath, that we would be shown the, the wisdom that goes beyond the plain text reading, allow us to wrestle with one another, and with you, that we might secure our blessing in you. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, we have a very full service today, so we're going to go a little late. Just FYI for those on the, uh, I can already tell, I'm looking at my watch, I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going late. So if you got to jump at 11, feel free. Anyway, <clears throat> the question, can, should Christians wear polyester and other mixed fabrics? Discuss at your tables. For the next two and a half minutes, usually we'll do five minutes, but we've got to go quick today. Two and a half minutes, go. All right. All right, all right, all right. A somewhat unique question this morning. Can, should Christians wear polyester and other mixed fabrics? Yeah, go get her, Aubrey. Go get her, bring her up. Anyway. All right, so these questions, because hold that answer, I'm not going to ask you guys quite yet, but uh, <clears throat> we're going to talk about it. There's a reason I started with this one. There's a reason I started with this one. The reason that I started with this one, number one, it's because it's kind of funny that this follows uh, our scripture from last week. So remember, we read Leviticus 19 last week. We're in the same chapter for the next two weeks. This week and next week. So we're in Leviticus 19 for three weeks. The first one is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And all of us go, yeah, that right there. That's Christianity 101, right? Jesus says all of the, all of the commandments hang on this one, that you should love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. But then immediately following this verse, I mean literally, verse 17, Taya read it. Love, or, uh, love your neighbors yourself. Verse 19, we're talking about what kind of fabrics to wear. 
immediately following. And the reason why I wanted to start with this one is because this, understand, is a low-stakes commandment for us. This is a low-stakes commandment for us. As we move through this series, we will get higher-stakes commandments where our cultural baggage is going to start to inform the ways in which we interpret these passages. But this is the one that almost nobody is going to uh, you know, have much of an issue with. Maybe you do. We'll, we'll get your answers here in a moment. But, but, but almost no one is going to have an issue with this one. And I think that's an important place to start because it's going to humble us by the end of this message. It's going to be a humbling message, I think. So, so most of us have, have learned it somewhat like this way. This came, this is uh, St. Thomas Aquinas is the one who originally came up with this uh, in probably the greatest single systematic theology text of all time. Um, he divides the types of commandments into three. I think more applicably for us today, we usually divide the types of commandments into two. So we look at the Old Testament, we look at 600 plus odd commandments, and we get uh, commandments that we would say are moral laws, right? And then we have commandments that are ritual rules. And in the commandments that are moral laws, we have things like do not kill, do not, uh, don't adulter, don't become an adulterer, don't steal, don't oppress the alien, right? These are moral commands. These are things that we would say are enduring commandments. They last forever. And then when you shift over to the ritual rules, this is where we have things like don't eat pork, keep the Sabbath, no mixed fabrics, mold and mildew mitigation, which is one of uh, Eli. I know he's probably watching online. It's like Eli's favorite verse in the Bible, mold and mildew mitigation. This is a real thing in the Bible. What to do when you find mold in a house. So we have these two uh, types of commandments, right? And if you Google mixed fabrics, the reason that, you, that there's so much on mixed fabrics, by the way, is because if you've ever gone on any sort of public discord or uh, a, you know, some sort of message blog and there's atheists fighting with Christians, the atheists will be like, but what about mixed fabrics, right? And then the Christians are like, I don't know, right? That's in the Bible? Yes, that's in the Bible. They all know Leviticus 19.19. Leviticus 19.17, they have no idea. Leviticus 19.19, they got that one down, Right? So, so then we, we, we create these, these dichotomies, moral laws and ritual rules, so that we can d- identify, okay, is this a moral law that we have to keep today, or is this a ritual rule that we, uh, that we can say was contextually bound and, and you know, all of these things. There is one problem, though, with this, and that's that it's all made up. This had no bearing on ancient Israel. They had no such distinctions. This is something that happened literally over a thousand years after the Bible, when the New Testament was written, over 2,000 years after the original Levitical text was assembled by the, by the, the priestly class. Uh, they took these different sources, they put them together, they made them into the book of Leviticus. And, and, and all of this stuff, this way of differentiating these things, well, do not kill versus don't wear mixed fabrics, they just made up these categories. They just made them up. They made them up because they didn't want to deal with the reality, which was some of the things that we deem to be moral laws today were things that in ancient Israel were a fine. Okay, pay a couple this or that, you'll be fine. If you kill a slave, for example, eh, just pay a fine, it'll be fine. 
versus some of the things that we view as ritual rules, like the things related to the Ark of the Covenant or, or the temple or whatever, and wearing mixed fabrics, were punished by death. You understand? They did not have this differentiation. For them, ritual rules and moral laws, everything that God said in Leviticus, that the priestly class wrote down that God said, was absolutely, unequivocally defined. Now, Jesus and especially Paul take a paper shredder to some of this stuff. And so we had to figure out a way around this. And so as we ask our questions, you will not see me other than referring back to the fact that these two categories are ridiculous and made up. Um, The real question that we will ask are these as we go through this series. Number one, why does the Bible say what it says? Why does the Bible say what it says? Question number two that we're going to ask, what is the context or purpose for what the Bible says? So why does the Bible say what it says? We have to understand what the Bible is actually saying. That's what that means. Not why is it saying it. The second question is why is it saying it? What is the context? Why would they care about this thing or something else? And then the third question that we have to ask is does it matter for us today? Really simple, really simple. And that's why we picked this one first. It's low stakes. There's no cultural baggage. So I want you to ask yourself together as we ask this question, what do you guys think? Polyester up or down? Can Christians wear polyester? Give me a thumbs up. Can Christians know they can't wear polyester? Put your hand down. Yeah, okay, there we go. Let's look at something that Jesus said. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota, it's a letter, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, not even the letter, just the crossing of the T, right? Will pass away from the law until it is accomplished. Therefore, whoever annuls what all of you just did or breaks what I'm doing right now, one of these least commandments, pretty least one, right? Or teaches other to, others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, here's the thing. We're all heretics as it comes to some things in the Bible. Own it. Every single person who approaches the text of the Bible And this is what this verse should teach you. This is what this entire series should teach you. Every single person who comes to the text of the Bible has to make determinations of what stuff matters, what stuff needs to be upheld, what stuff doesn't matter. Anybody who says, I just read what's there and I do it, they're lying to you. They don't know what's there if that's what they're saying. There are people who say, well, there's no contradiction in the Bible. I just do exactly what it says. No, you don't. It's kind of sound like Barney Fife with my voice all raspy. I just knew exactly what it says. <laughs> right? No, you can't. You, you, no, you don't. You don't do what it says. And when you say, well, but mixed fabrics, right? We got away with it. No, there's no verse in the New Testament that says that you can wear mixed fabrics. When we get to pork, you guys can throw axe at me and say, well, Peter says that I'm allowed to eat pork now. And Paul says that I'm allowed to eat pork now. Guess what? None of them said that you're allowed to wear mixed fabrics. We just decided to do it. We just decided it didn't matter. 
And just understand that as we approach the Bible, we do this all the time. We just decide what matters and what doesn't matter. Sometimes the reasons are arbitrary. Sometimes they're not. But this should be incredibly humbling for us. Because when we talk about tattoos or women in ministry or alcohol or anything else or divorce or whatever you might disagree with throughout the rest of the series, remember that at least on this day, everybody was united in their heresy. Just understand it. This is what we have to acknowledge. We make up rules and we make up categories to make ourselves feel better about it. But the truth is every single person from the most absolutely independent fundamental Baptist to the absolute most, you know, UCC, Episcopal, liberal, I'm not sure if Jesus was ever resurrected. From all the way on both ends of the spectrum, everybody picks and chooses what they want out of the Bible. Everyone plays a la carte with the text. And so never think that you are better than someone else because they picked and chose something else that you didn't pick and choose. Because at least today, we were all united in our heresy. So I'm going to stop beating us up on this one, and we're going to talk about why. Why would the Bible even say something like this? So what is the deal with the mixed fabrics? Why does the Bible say you're not supposed to wear mixed fabrics? Well, there's two potential things, because you're here to know what the answer is, right? So here here we go. Why does Israel have this law? Number one, this is the one that I learned in seminary. Since researching, I now believe a lot of different texts. I now believe that this is probably the less likely of the two. So if you want to go with this one, that's fine. It's what I believe for the majority of my biblical scholarship career. But actually, after researching this this week, I think that this is actually a little bit less likely than the alternative. The the first piece is that mixed fabrics could have been about Canaanite cult prostitution. It's possible that the Levitical priests who wrote this into the text were trying to wrestle with a reality that they found themselves in where they came into a land, or they're coming into a land, where uh, there is already this cult ritual prostitution thing happening, right? And this is about idolatry, But it's also, remember, whenever we talk about prostitution in the Bible, it's also always about exploiting underage women, underage girls. That's always what it's about. It's not always, this isn't, you know, modern sex work. This is taking somebody who's 12 years old and selling them into a system of prostitution for your own religious purposes, usually money too. And what I was taught in in seminary, which is somewhat true, is that prostitutes often wore fabrics uh, that were patchworked together. Um, And this is what identified them as prostitutes. So in in the book of Genesis, where Tamar puts on mixed fabrics in order to trick Judah into sleeping with her. So so number one, it could be about this. This commandment really could be about, hey, don't participate in these forms of ritual prostitution. And and the way in which the Bible is saying that uh, is by saying, don't wear mixed fabrics. And later in the text of Leviticus 19, it goes into don't sell your daughter into prostitution as well. So, so, so drawing those things together and saying, okay, look, we have, don't, don't pretend like you're acting like this. Don't dress like this. The problem with this understanding is that Tamar does this and she's celebrated for doing it in Genesis. Okay, God says that Tamar did the right thing 
pretending to be a prostitute and sleeping with her father, which is really problematic, and we'll talk about that another time. So, so, so we have to just leave that where that is. I don't, I don't think that this is most likely what it is. I think that this is the lesser of the two. So either the text is saying don't pretend to be a prostitute, or the text is saying that mixed fabrics represent the sacred, and we're supposed to separate ourselves between the secular and the sacred. And I have an example of mixed fabric right here. <clears throat> this is a stole, which my wife got me on eBay. Um, and what, what you see in the stole is these patterns of, of things. Embroidery is what it was called in the ancient world. And you can see, actually, uh, <clears throat> I actually have the examples of this in ancient Israel up here from the Temple Institute. And you can see how they're patchworked and they're put together. Well, the priestly garb was made of linen. This was considered the godly fabric, linen. And the common fabric was wool or burlap even. And so uh, the problem is you can't, they didn't make thread for embroidery out of linen. So if you wanted to embroider anything, you had to use it out of wool. So the priestly garbs were made of linen with a patchwork of wool sewn, sewn into it for aesthetic purposes. And the idea behind this, the theological framework, is that the priest represents keeping a foot in both places. The priest goes into the whole, the high priest at least, goes into the Holy of Holies wearing only linen, no wool. And the, because the linen is fabric that represents God, then when the, the priest comes out and interacts with the people who are all wearing wool, the priest wears linen laced with wool. You see? And, and, and the idea is that the priest represents the intermediary in that. And so it's possible that what the text is doing here is that the text is saying, hey, we want to keep this identity sacred. We don't want just anybody pretending to be a priest. We don't want anybody going out there and making a mockery of the, the, the unique position that Israel finds itself in when they are in communion with their God. There's this sacred and secular thing. And so the argument is that when the temple curtain is ripped with Jesus, the argument from the New Testament is that when the sacred and the secular are, the, are rendered in peace, when Jesus says, now, no, now all of us might have the Holy Spirit. No longer is this a commandment because the sacred and the secular have been combined. So I think this is a better argument. And even in, uh, we have in the text uh, later on, even Israel starts to, you know, this, this text, this, uh, this commandment exists in both in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. But later on in the text uh, in Deuteronomy, you also have the, the people who are the priests uh, wearing belts made of, of linen and wool as a symbol. And you also have one blue thread being sewn into the clothing. You, this still Orthodox Jews do this today. You have one blue thread that's sewn into the clothing of, of the Jewish people. And that's a symbol that God is always with them. So the sacred and the secular. So even they violate this commandment, um, but they do it intentionally. So this is why Israel has this law, likely. It's either to prevent some cult prostitution thing or more likely it's, it's about separating the sacred and the secular. And so we have to ask ourselves today, in what ways is this still applicable? In what ways is this still working for us today? And in what ways is the separation of the sacred and the secular actually just contributing to our own demise? You see, this is the problem with the Bible. The Bible does not give us easy, clear answers. The Bible is a text that we struggle with, that we 
that in uh, Phil, Pastor Phil's words, we wrestle with until it gives us our blessing. This is what it is. And so as we transition to the communion table this week and we blur that line between the sacred and the secular, we, the, 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 the secular people, get to partake in the sacred, in the sacrament of communion. We get to cha- have, a, have a, a chance to consider here why we choose to follow or not follow any words of scripture, what the, the kernel of truth is underneath all of these things. And you will have an opportunity to go home with that, to struggle with that. I'm not going to give you an answer of like, okay, well, because this is the reason for this commandment, then what is that for you? What does that mean for you? That, that's something that you have to struggle with. That's something that you have to wrestle with now at your tables, as you go to cafe, as you partake in communion, all of these things. You get to wrestle. Why? Why does this commandment exist? Is it still enduring for us today? Does it matter? Let's pray.